0: These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> the Ten O'Clock Horses. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated by Ian McEwen. When I was a child, bedtime was always a struggle for my parents. I was so filled with the vitality that youth provides that I often flat-out refused to go to bed. And when I eventually relented, my father would catch my younger brother and I chattering giddily in the darkness and tell us to hush. He'd say the ten o'clock horses would come and eat us up if we didn't go to sleep. The ten o'clock horses were something all the children of the village were threatened with at one point or another. A folktale designed by exacerbated parents to urge children like me to sleep. At least, everyone thought it was a folktale. It had been the height of summer. My brother and I had been out climbing trees all day and paddling in the local brook, so when bedtime came all too soon, we were still full to the brim with excited energy. I can't believe how high you got in that last tree, my brother had chirped from somewhere in the gloom. I got so high I thought I'd come face to face with God, I replied jovially. My brother had laughed at the thought, perhaps a little louder than he had meant to, and our father had creaked the door open, his form silhouetted in the thin sliver of light. Go to sleep. He'd whispered to us, his tone strangely grave. The ten o'clock horses are on their way. Still unable to still my thoughts, I lay in bed silently, surrounded by the hot evening air, and just stared at the texture of the ceiling plaster. My brother had fallen quiet, so I assumed he'd drifted to sleep. But I heard him stir in his bed when the noise started was a rumbling, like distant thunder. But the weather was far too hot for this to be the case. Soon, the room began to shake. The rumbling had become a pounding, the sound of repetitive, heavy footfall. The horses were coming. "'Do you hear that?' I asked my brother in a whisper. I hoped he wouldn't answer, that my question had fallen on sleeping ears, or perhaps I was the one who was dreaming.' Yeah, what is that? He replied, the fear obvious in his voice. He was awake. We both were. The ten o'clock horses were coming for us, and if we didn't get to sleep within seconds, they would eat us whole. Go to sleep! Go to sleep now! I ordered across the room in a harsh whisper. He stops talking, at least. I hoped that maybe the horses would think he was sleeping. But what about me? How could I sleep with those things coming to get me? Their hooves, the metal horseshoes smashing against the wooden floorboards, were growing so loud that it felt like they were hammering away inside my skull. Shadows danced in my peripheral vision. They were close, and soon they would take me away. A deep, rasping bray sounded somewhere to my right, and though I was too terrified to turn fully, I remember clearly seeing several sets of red eyes shining in the darkness. They glowed like the embers of hellfire and seemed to burn hot in the night air. The next thing I know, it's morning and I've woken up. "'cold and wet in a puddle of my own piss. "'The horses were gone, and, well, I woke up. "'I must have passed out, shit-scared, "'before they were able to take me. "'I was mercifully spared with bed-wetting shame "'over a fate perhaps worse than death. "'Turning over to face my brother, "'my sodden sheets squelching below me, "'I found him absent. "'Not just him, but his bed.' and all of his possessions. Every single trace of him was gone, wiped from the room. It was like he'd never existed. Had he not fallen asleep as I'd hoped? Had the ten o'clock horses eaten him as penance for his sleeplessness? Jesus, I choked before crossing my chest. I had felt guilty for blaspheming, but it seemed measured given the circumstance. My mother had appeared shortly after my outburst to chastise me, but, after seeing my distraught expression, softened her reaction to motherly concern. "'What's the matter?' she had asked as she took a seat next to me on the bed. She recoiled her hand as it connected with the piss puddle, and the sorrow flooding her eyes threatened to materialize as tears. "'Oh, my sweet boy, was it bad dreams again?' I shook my head. It was no dream. The horses took my brother, her son, and the proof was in his disappearance. They took him, I choked. What? my mother had asked. Her face rocked with confusion. My brother! The horses took him! I had replied, with a trembling finger pointing to where his bed had been. My mother's gaze had followed my finger. "'then returned to my eyes, her confusion only heightening. "'You—' her voice had wavered. "'You don't have a brother.' "'These words had hit me like a brick to the face. "'Of course I had a brother. I had known him his entire life.' I remembered so clearly all the trees we'd climbed, all the dirty jokes we'd shared, and all the times I'd regrettably berated and belittled him. I suddenly hated myself for all the mean things I had said to him. Nasty things uttered with the safety net of brotherly love. But now he was gone, and I would have no way of making amends. What do you mean... I'd asked so quietly I had feared she'd not heard me. She'd just looked at me with those pained, confused eyes. You're scaring me, honey, she had muttered. Despite my horror at my disappeared brother, I hadn't pressed her further. Perhaps this was her way of dealing with a situation beyond her comprehension. She deserved this respite. I just prayed father would have a more productive input when he returned from work. We needed to find my brother before he was gone too long and became lost forever. At school that day, I had tried to explain to my friends what had happened, how the ten o'clock horses had devoured my younger brother and I hadn't done a damned thing to help but they'd reiterated my mother's fallacy. They said I'd never had a brother, and they even mimicked her puzzled expression. A chilling thought had struck me. Did the ten o'clock horses not only gobble up my brother, but devour his entire presence from the fabric of existence? Was the punishment for his victimless crime of sleeplessness utter removal from reality, to be expunged from the universal record? After that, I had grown quiet on the subject. I didn't even bring it up with my father later that evening. By this point, I had already preempted his likely dismissal of my brother's existence and had opted to spare myself the pain of another emotional rock faltering and crumbling to dust. I had let this surreal day die and retired to my solitary bed in our formerly spared room and had just laid awake. There was to be no sleep tonight. How could I sleep? Hungry horses yearned for me. They now no doubt had a taste for my blood after they had taken my dear brother. I had laid on my back that night, staring at the ceiling and waiting for the horses to come for me. But there was nothing. No thunder, no red eyes in the dark, and no sinister braying. Not at first, anyway. At some point in the early hours, I was ripped from my dreamless sleep by a rumbling. It was them, the horses, but the sound was diminishing. They were galloping away into the night. They hadn't caught me sleeping, not this time, but somehow I wasn't filled with a sense of ease. Something was still desperately wrong." It was then that the thought had struck me like an electric shock. Mom! Dad! I had screamed as I'd high-tailed it down the corridor to their room. I already half knew what I'd find, however. Nothing. I reached where my mind had said their bedroom door should have been and found nothing. Hell, the corridor even seemed shorter than I remembered it to be. How could they have been caught by the ten o'clock horses, though? They had always been such fervent proponents of the horse myth, of the importance of a decent night's sleep, that they should never have been the subject to such a punishment. There was a voice behind me, one that didn't come from human lips, and which said to me in raspy tones, The sleepless will be gifted with sleep. I spun around on my heels to find myself alone in that unfamiliarly short corridor. The sound of distant hooves seemed to echo from the shadows until all faded away to a deathly quiet. I was alone, truly alone, as I already knew that my parents would now have been erased from time, just as my brother had been the previous night. How anyone would accept that my entire family had now been taken by the horses had been difficult for me to fathom, but they did. I had gone to the police. What else was a boy of my young age to do? And they had just stared at me with cold, uncaring indifference. I remember one of the policemen. "'A short, squat man with a bushy grey moustache, "'nudging his colleague and sliding some paperwork across the counter for him to view. "'I wasn't able to read the upside-down writing, "'but I could see my mugshot attached to the top corner with a paperclip. "'The pair had looked up in unison with expressions that seemed to now bear a sense of urgency.' I was forced face down onto the counter by an officer I hadn't noticed approaching me from behind, and restrained, with an arm bent painfully behind my back. I hadn't bothered to protest, as I knew they'd never believe that it was the horses that had taken my parents and brother. They would only jump to their own conclusions, and no matter how much conviction I told my version of events with, I knew they would be difficult to sway." especially with a story rooted in urban legends and phantom horses. They escorted me to a cell with misspelt graffiti etched into its walls and pushed me in with enough force to send me to my knees. By the time I'd gotten back to my feet, the door had been slammed shut and its deadbolt slid across. Settling on the large shelf that functioned as a bed, I lay down exhausted, and began to drift to sleep. Waking with a jolt, I was unsure how long I'd been sleeping, but through the thin, barred window, the sky was obsidian black. It was night, and the horses would be coming soon. "'What time is it?' I had bellowed as I frantically beat the metal door. After what felt like an eternity, the viewing slit shot open to reveal a stern pair of eyes. Keep it down in there, his voice barked. What time is it, I repeated. Making a noise that was somewhere between a sigh and a groan, he glanced down at his watch. <sighs> it's a quarter to ten. Quarter to fucking Ten o'clock horses would be here soon, and with the adrenaline coursing through my veins, there would be no chance of me falling asleep. They would eat me, and my entire goddamn existence. I would soon disappear, never to be remembered or missed. Now shut up and go to sleep, he ordered, as he slid the viewing slit shut. Or just shut up, I don't care. My heart had begun to thump so hard in my ribcage that, I didn't notice the distant rumbling of hooves approaching. It was a shrill, soul-piercing whinny that gripped my attention tightly. A cacophony of thunderous galloping and guttural braying approached, seemingly from all directions and none simultaneously. Shadows began to warp and twist, and from their gloom, eyes that glowed like hot coals viewed me hungrily. Come on, then, I screamed to them. Get this over with! The darkness began to take form, shaping faces around those eyes, and the horses began to writhe and pry themselves free from the immaterial, as though they were being violently born into reality. I had become so entranced by the unfolding horror before me that I didn't notice the cell door opening. I only realized I had company, When a pair of stocky men dressed all in white "'burst into the room and head towards me with intent. "'Don't you see them?' I gasped in panic. "'One of the men attempted to restrain me, "'but I slipped free of his grasp. "'Don't you see them?' I screamed my reiteration. "'Don't make this hard,' one of the men barked. "'A glistening in his hand caught my eye. "'He held a syringe.' the contents of which would be my salvation, powerful sedatives. I walked towards him, presenting my forearms to be readily injected, and thankfully he obliged. As the liquid coursed through my veins, I began to feel groggy. The horses, or what I could make out of them with my ever-blurring vision, seemed to retreat back into the walls. "'You'll have to go hungry tonight,' I thought to myself with a smile." as my legs buckled and I crashed limply to the floor. When I awoke, I was lying in a hospital bed that felt strangely familiar. I tried to sit up, but found myself bound steadfast to the bed with leather straps. I strained against them, but they showed no sign of budging. A heavy-set nurse appeared to my side, clipboard in hand. "'I see you're finally awake.' She had said flatly. "'My parents, did you find them?' I asked her, with no hope for a good answer. She locked her steely gaze with mine. "'We've been through this time and time again,' she said coldly. "'You never had any parents, nor a brother.' "'I don't understand.' You've been here at Francis de Tory Lunatic Asylum since the age of seven, after you bit three children to death in the orphanage because they wouldn't go to sleep. The nurse had gripped my face painfully tight, forcing my mouth open, and pushed a large capsule down my neck. I gagged and choked as her fat fingers filled my throat, but when she was satisfied that the pill was gliding down into my stomach, she withdrew. Soon, I began to feel hazy, as though I was wrapped in cotton wool, and nothing bothered me anymore. I slipped into an emotionally comatose void that I've had to dwell in ever since. At least, I don't have to worry about my lost family or the ten o'clock horses. They still haven't returned for me, not since I arrived here. They keep me so doped up that I'm barely awake most of the time, and I don't think the horses can smell me anymore. I still hear them sometimes, though, their pitch black hooves thundering down the asylum's corridors. I think they still look for me with fiery eyes, burning with hunger. It's only a matter of time until they find me. I can't stay asleep forever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Ten O'Clock Horses was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Ian McEwan, edited by Carl Hughes, with music by Tom Robson. Do you like horror stories told in the medium of audio? Well, we just released our latest Patreon-exclusive episode of The Other Stories. It's called Magnum Opus. The itch never fades. Nearly half a century since his glory days, Jax decides that his 80th birthday, the perfect place to stage is Magnum Opus. So if you'd like to get in a piece of that action, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver and pledge from as little as $1. Not only will we be helping us keep the lights on and keep doing what we're doing, but you'll also get access to the aforementioned exclusive episodes. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.